you'll have to look at me through the candles, but I sometimes like to come down on this level um, as we look into the Word this morning. Let's again pray, ask the Lord to have, give us eyes to see Christ in His Word. Heavenly Father, we thank You that the wonders of Your incarnation never seem to fully be plumbed by us. It leaves us with a sense of mystery and awe and wonder. And we pray that you would help us to have the eyes of faith and to see Christ more clearly, that it is Jesus who might be lifted up, that he might be honored among us today, and that you might speak to us through this passage of your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'd like to ask you to take a moment and just think. Think of a time in which you received a gift that was so wonderful it left you speechless. Now, for some of you who talk a lot, that, that may have been an amazing gift. But, I mean, think about it. A gift that left you speechless. It, maybe it was an engagement ring. Uh, maybe it was a visit from someone who surprised you that you weren't expecting to see, and they walked in the front door, or they uh, somehow came around the corner, and it just totally blew you away. You weren't expecting it. Maybe you're thinking of, a handmade item that you know for sure took many, 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 many hours to, to fix and to prepare and to actually make it for you when they gave you that wonderful gift. I know in my life, uh, there have been several times in my life when I've been struggling to figure out what to say because I'm just so amazed. And each time when each one of our children was born, three different times, words just seem to fail to express the kind of wonder and amazement that takes place. It's true that gifts that leave you speechless are the gifts that we consider inexpressibly wonderful. Well, I want you to look in your Bible this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'm just going to consider one verse this morning, and it's a very short one. So for some of you, that might be really encouraging that I'm not trying to cover a whole chapter, I'm not trying to cover uh, a large portion of Scripture, but it's just one verse, the last verse of 1 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. This is a passage in which Paul has been addressing the church there in Corinth, and he is preparing them for a time in which they're going to receive a, a, a collection of money, and they have an opportunity to help some folks who are rather desperate, uh, some believers there in Jerusalem far, far away who have gone through a famine, and they have really are in tough spot. And so he's using chapter 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians in this letter to them to just remind them as to how it's going to be handled and what, what it is, why he's appealing to them. And uh, it's interesting that he's not going to use any kind of manipulation. You know, sometimes when people ask you to give, they're, they're really trying to put the screws on and they're really putting the pressure on you and uh, some sort of compulsion that is a, a, as the reason that they should give to those who are suffering these shortages it's interesting how Paul appeals to them with motives that are rooted in the grace of Christ. And so Paul basically says, listen, if you're going to give, I want to encourage you to give voluntarily. I want to encourage you to give proportionally. Uh, in other words, he's not asking them to give uh, more than they have uh, generously. Those are the kinds of ways he's encouraging them to respond. And time after time, he reminds them of this gift 
that they've already received in the person of Jesus Christ. And you'll look there at the last verse. He says, uh, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He's talking about Christ, his indescribable gift, an unspeakable gift, a gift too wonderful for words, a gift that involves immeasurable riches of grace freely given to every believer through Jesus' death, his resurrection, his ascension, his enthronement in heaven now. You see, God is the greatest gift giver, and that's been our series during this Advent season, to think about God as the one who gives. He gives, and really the amazing thing is he gives himself to people who are humble enough to receive him and trust him by faith. And so he says that God is giving us an opportunity for them to respond to his unspeakable gift in Christ. And I want us to think about, in light of the unspeakable gift of Christ, how do we respond to that? And there are three responses I'd like to suggest to you. Number one, the indescribable gift of Christ calls for contemplation. Contemplation. Noticing verse 15 there, as we think about something that's indescribably wonderful. Jesus is so marvelous, he is so generous, he's so loving, he is so unique, he is so glorious, that in some ways we're at a loss to be able to put into words adequately describing the gift that he is to us in the gospel. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the text that says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. You see, God's gift of Jesus to spiritually bankrupt people like you and me is indescribably, unspeakably generous. You see, we never can exhaustively describe this kind of, the full depth of the benefits and blessings that are to be found in Jesus Christ. How do we put it into words? The advent of Christ, the sending of Christ, when the Father chose to give His Son as an expression of His love for us. It's meant to be pondered. It's meant to be meditated upon. It's meant to be something that we think of and reflect on in our minds long enough and deep enough to begin to feel a sense of being overwhelmed, not being able to, to respond with simple words. Because if you think about the graciousness of Christ, you think about the breadth and the depth of his love for you, that he would come, he would humble himself the way he was. It truly is the indescribable gift. When you consider and reflect on your unworthiness, when you consider and reflect on God's generosity, does your heart ever well up with a sense of wonder and amazement? Does it leave you searching for words sometimes? Have you ever felt speechless in the presence of God? Trying to think, how do I adequately express my thanks for this wondrous gift, this indescribable gift of Jesus being given for me? One of the wonders of the gift of Jesus, I believe, is his condescension. Turn back with me just one chapter to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and you'll notice verse 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, we read, 
You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. This is talking about Jesus, the eternal second person of the Trinity, who has always existed, the one who, but through whom and by whom all things were made, so he made everything that is in existence. It is this one who rightfully owns everything. He rightfully possesses the deed of all of planet Earth. It all belongs to him. And all power, all glory, all honor and majesty have always belonged to him exclusively. And yet he laid aside the independent use of his divine prerogatives, and he entered this world as a helpless baby born in Bethlehem. We've been, again, enjoying babies, we've been enjoying grandchildren, and just looking at them and wondering at them, and you realize, man, they need help, a lot of help. Often they need help. And to think of the, that the king and the creator of the universe became helpless, it's amazing. One of the most memorable assignments that our son John had when he was in college years ago, had I known about it more in detail, I'm not sure we would have consented to it, but it was part of his class he took one time, and the assignment was to leave the dorm, the comfortable dormitory of this private Christian college where there's nice heat, there was hot and cold water, there's a nice, soft, uh, comfortable bed, and he was to spend, along with other students, 36 hours in the downtown area of an adjacent town just down the street from the college. He was to enter into the life, at least for a short period of time, 36 hours, of what it means to be a homeless person. They're only given a dollar or two. Uh, they had a contact person. If they really got into a crisis, I guess they could make their way to this person, I guess. I don't remember all the details, but... Uh, but he and his fellow students, they had to scrounge for food. They had to fend for themselves all night long. All they had was a little thin jacket. And they had no sleeping bag, no pillow, no blankets, all that stuff. So he and his classmates left the comforts of this dormitory and entered into the world of this homeless, a homeless person. Only for 36 hours, but it was enough, let me tell you, to hear his reaction to that to understand and press upon them the misery, the danger, the desperation faced by people who are homeless every day. It was a powerful experience, one that shaped his life for sure. That's just nothing. That is, that is hardly anything compared to the condescension, to the, the humility that Jesus, in leaving heaven, came down into this world of suffering, of woe, of wickedness. He was impoverished with our guilt on that cross, that we might become rich with his righteousness. It is Jesus who was rejected that we might be accepted. It is Jesus who assumed our debt of sin that we might enjoy the riches of what? The riches of full forgiveness, the riches of full adoption as his children of love. My friends, I urge you, don't take for granted the wonder of this inexpressible gift of Jesus Christ. A gift that says, I love you. 
God loves you. God gave His one and only Son for you. How indescribably wonderful is that? The first response is to think about it, to really contemplate it enough to really begin to make an impression upon our hearts. Uh, Secondly, I'd like to suggest this indescribable gift of Christ calls for the response of adoration and appreciation. Adoration and appreciation. One of the dangers when you receive amazing gifts, incredible gifts, indescribably wonderful gifts, is that sometimes you can become more enamored and more in love with the gift than you do the one who gave you the gift. If we're not careful, our hearts can be hijacked to love God's gifts more than we love God. Paul seems to anticipate this pattern when he reminds and focuses on the gifts that God has given to us. Notice he says in verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What he's saying is that if you've received the the indescribable gift of Christ, then your response should be thanking God. It should be a response of saying, wow, what a valuable, precious, generous gift. How wonderful it is to have this indescribable gift of knowing Christ and that God gave us this gift of his son. Why? So that we might not just feel like we're the ones who are blessed to have it only to ourselves, but to say what? The whole point of Christ's gift is that we might know God that we might enjoy God, that we might serve God, that we might love God, that we might be satisfied with God, that we might find joy in Him in ways that we never would have ever otherwise had it not been for Christ. A couple weeks ago, I shared the story, it's getting to be an old story now, sorry, uh, in terms of just the amount of years ago, 37 years ago, uh, I proposed to my dear wife, Joyce, and as I recall, you, uh, we talked about this ring I got her, I got an engagement ring, and uh, some of you need to know, if you don't know me very well, you need to know I'm sort of a guy that's known to be rather frugal. Don't say cheap, I'm frugal, and uh, I've been known to be rather tight with money. Uh, you can ask my kids, they'll tell you. Um, but at that time in my life, I reversed all those patterns. I thought to myself, this is a once-a-lifetime deal. So when I went in, I selected not the smallest diamond they were offering me and not the cheapest setting, uh, the the gold ring. I mean, I I went ahead and just said, nope, I like that one. That's good. And uh, I didn't get a zirconium. Let's just make very clear on that. Uh, That thought didn't even go through my mind. I gladly paid the price that I paid because this was a symbol of my forever love and devotion to my wife. Now, how do you suppose Joyce responded when I gave her and presented her this engagement ring? It's a gold ring, okay? It's not not just gold plate, it's a gold ring, and it had one of those four C's, you know, clarity, cut, uh, carrots, whatever, diamond. How do you suppose she reacted to it? Do you suppose she put it on her finger, let me put it on her finger, and then she just admired it and kept looking at it? never said anything to me, got in her car, went back to where she was living at the time, which was a, a boarding high school in Asheville, North Carolina, and showed it to all of her friends, all the girls on the dorm and the floor, you know, and, and, and they never talked to me again. But she just showed everyone her ring. I assure you, she did not do that. 
No, she looked me in the eye. She held my hand. She gave me a hug. And she said, I'll be more than glad to be your wife. And she said, I look forward to spending my life with you because I value you and I value the relationship that we have together. Now, she thanked me many times for the ring. She still has the ring. I was thankful that she hasn't lost it. But more importantly, she says, I value us together. When we talk about this indescribable gift that God has given in Christ, it's so that we might know God and that we might enjoy, delight ourselves in God. And yet, how many do that? How many people think that Christ is a gift that's given and that basically is my escape from hell? And there's no sense of treasuring and loving and enjoying God. May I remind you that the reason Christ was given so that we might commune with God, have a relationship with God as our treasure, as our Father, as our friend, as our Savior. You say, well, where are you getting this? 1 Peter 3.18 is one of the greatest verses that makes this clear. When, Paul, when Peter says, Christ died for sins once for all, the just one dying for the unjust ones. Why? So that in order that he might bring us to God. In other words, he might reconcile us, that he might make it possible for there to be a, a wonderful relationship between us and God. So that all that Christ did for us on the cross, all that Jesus did for us through the power of his resurrection from the dead is aimed at the goal of filling our hearts with a love and with a gratitude and a thankfulness to God that it results in us delighting in God. Because of Christ's indescribable gift, we are able to say to God the Father, Father, you are my love. And your love is the giving of yourself to me, and my love is giving of myself to you. Years ago, I preached an Advent series in which we looked at the statement that found in Matthew chapter 2, the Magi, you recall, this is several months after the narrative, so you need to move those little Magi guys off the side of the, of the nativity set, okay? They're not there for the original event, just, just to remind you. I don't know what's behind me. So anyway, um, <laughs> ignore that for a second. Um, but the point is here, they are arriving later at the house, it says, which would indicate that's a subsequent occurrence. They came into the house, Matthew 2.11 says, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. They did not worship the gold that they brought, the frankincense, the myrrh. They did not worship Mary. They did not worship the star. They did not worship the angels. They worshiped Jesus. And so we worship and thank Jesus for giving himself for us. And think about it. Some of these verses I, I've just been meditating on. Galatians 2.20, Christ, Paul says, loved me and gave himself. For me. Also in Galatians chapter 1, Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us out of this present evil age. 
Titus chapter 2, Jesus Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. How do we properly express to God the kind of profound and deep appreciation for his indescribable gift of Christ, Christ given for us? What does it look like to offer heartfelt adoration to God with this inexpressible gift? That brings us to our third point. The gift of Christ calls for consecration. You know, when we receive a gift that's so wonderful and words fail to describe it, our hearts are moved naturally to respond. And I've been thinking back to a couple of incidents in my life when I've been deeply moved to read of this kind of response that some people have made when they've received an indescribably wonderful gift. Um, When I lived back in Virginia before coming here, uh, a friend of my mother, um, one of her college friends, uh, her son, who at the time was 38 years of age, healthy, vital, just doing normal things, had an aneurysm and the blood vessel burst in his brain, and so he was basically brought to the hospital, and uh, he was still had a pulse of some kind, but he va- basically uh, was about ready to die. And they contacted his mother and got permission, and they, uh, she gave permission for his organs to be donated. So I got involved and did the funeral for that particular situation, didn't know these people, and I will never forget the letter that she mailed me a copy of Uh, that she had received from the person who received his donated, transplanted heart. Now, here's this woman with great grief and sadness sharing this letter about this person who goes on and on about, you will never be able to understand how blessed I am, how you have blessed me in your loss. You have given me life. It was powerful. And then I remember years ago, I'm thinking, well, there's another time that happened when our next door neighbors, who were Iraqi uh, couple, uh, she was actually a doctor from Iraq, and uh, he was in very poor health and actually needed a liver transplant. And so she was not the best with English thus far, and she said, would you help me? Would you help compose a letter on my behalf for my husband and send it to the folks who have donated this liver to my husband? What am I gonna say? I did the best I could. But I mean, I was looking for words of profundity to say, because when you are expressing gratitude for a gift of that amazement, you don't just say it lightly. You don't say it with, oh, you know, hey, appreciate the gift, you know, and then move back to life. It's a gift that has made a huge impact on you. And I've been thinking about this in this text as as Paul reflects on the wonders of the indescribable gift of Christ. What kind of impact does that make on on us? Well, he's talking about in the context of being generous, of realizing that God has blessed you in Christ. He's made you rich in his righteousness, rich in the blessings of his love and grace. And Paul says, listen, don't you know there are people who are Macedonians, people who are other fellow believers living in a part of, of the world there around the Mediterranean Sea at the time? And he says, They didn't have much of this world's goods. They've already donated generously and begged us for the opportunity to do so. And look at chapter 8, verse 5. 
2 Corinthians 8, verse 5. These folks who wanted to give and donate, they first were giving primarily out of a heart of gratitude and love. He says they gave a generous gift to God because God had given them a gift. And then he says they first gave themselves to the Lord. They gave themselves to the Lord before they did anything else. In view of God's giving to you the unspeakable gift of Christ, have you given yourself unreservedly to God? Have you said, Lord, I surrender to you all I have? I'm not going to hang on to anything, unwilling to give it up, unwilling to share it, unwilling to do without it. Are you willing to, to surrender and consecrate to God all that you ever wish for in your future? After viewing, reviewing the mercies of God and pondering the wonders of the gospel, the Apostle Paul comes to the first verse of chapter 12 in that great book of Romans, and he says, In light of the mercies of God, I urge you, brethren, present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God. A holy, acceptable sacrifice to God, which is your spiritual, reasonable, appropriate response to God in light of what he's done for you. He says, give yourself to God. Don't hold back. In view of God's gift of Jesus, he demonstrated his love for you. He gave himself when we were at odds against him. We were his enemy. We were running our own way, giving him our attitude, saying, I want to be my own God. I want to be my own ruler of my life. And yet Jesus came and bore the punishment we deserve for our sins. Here's a question I got for you. Have you yielded up to God and surrendered to Him your finances? You say, oh, don't talk to me about money. This is, are you kidding me? It's a bad time of the year to talk about money. Why can't we talk about money anytime? Where did you get all of that you have? <laughs> the question is, are we honoring Christ from our wealth, from the first fruits of our increase? Proverbs 3. Or do we just give God a little bit of our leftovers every so often? Whatever seems to have what's left after we get this, 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 and this, and then we'll give him a little bit at the end. I wonder, are you following the pattern that Paul encourages here? Are you willingly, voluntarily, sacrificially, proportionally, are you giving to the work of the gospel and the relief of the poor? Do you give your financial gifts to God grudgingly? know if I really want to give this much, but I guess I should. I know other people are giving. I guess, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. Or do you give with a heart that's full of merriment, full of joy, full of thankfulness, overflowing with gratefulness to God? Look at the gift I've received. Oh, what a blessing it is to give in light of Christ's gift to us. What about the area of your life that involves your job? Must we talk about my job now, today, this time of year? Yes. Is that something you've ever surrendered to Christ? You say, what does that mean? Well, do you serve the Lord Christ in your place of employment? Or are you only worried about what people see you doing, and therefore you only work hard when you're being watched and being observed? Are you more focused on impressing your boss by trying to achieve your own goals of fulfillment, climbing the ladder of success? 
Or do you see yourself as saying, this is my assignment, my opportunity to show Christ forth in how I deal with those around me in the workplace? What about in your educational pursuits? When you were there in school, all those endless hours, or whether you're a homeschooler, whatever it is, are you doing your best in school so that you can better equip yourself, that you can make a difference for Christ with your mind, with your body, with your, your soul? If you're young, you have so many opportunities ahead of you. Don't waste them. If you belong to Christ and He has given you this indescribable gift, then you apply yourself and serve Him and pursue being the best you can for His glory. And then finally, I'll just bring up another one, and you could put anything in these, in these categories. But what about your children? For those of us who are blessed to have children, have you consecrated your children to the one who gave you his one and only son for you? Are you willing to let your children choose ministry as a vocation if that's what God calls them to do? Or do you try to talk them out of it and persuade them? Ah, you'll never make enough money. Don't go that direction. Are you willing to let your children raise your grandchildren far from where you live? because they've pursued the calling that God has for them, that he's placed upon their lives. I mean, these are the areas that, and there are many other areas, you can f begin to expand the number of those areas, but you begin to ask yourself, are these areas I'm willing to say, Lord, I am yours. Everything I have belongs to you. You've given me an indescribably wonderful gift. I give you myself. Are you willing to make that commitment today? It's the only reasonable spiritual response, it seems to me, in light of the wonders of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we have had opportunity just to begin to scratch the surface of this very deep and profound gift wondrous gift that we've received in Christ. I pray that you would begin to impress upon the hearts of those who are here today. If there's anyone here, Lord, who has never received that gift, they may have talked about the gift, they might have read about the gift, they may have heard about Jesus Christ, they've been around people who have received the gift, but Lord, they have never personally surrendered their heart to Christ, they've never cried out, for Christ to be their Lord and Master, to confess Him as their um, Lord and to turn from sin and to follow and, and trust Christ completely. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they respond to the wondrous gift of You giving Yourself for them and all that it means on the cross and in the resurrection. Lord, I pray that today would not go by until every one of us have received the gift, the indescribably wonderful gift of Jesus Christ. To know Him as Lord, to know Him as Savior, to know Him as the reconciler of sinners to God. And Father, also I pray for those who are here today who maybe have lost a sense of wonder at Christ, to whom the gospel has become so familiar that they no longer reach the point of, of being filled with indescribable 
amazement at what Christ has done for them. Lord, would you, by your Spirit, impress upon all of us afresh and anew the indescribable glories of Christ. May our hearts melt. May our wills be surrendered to you, Lord. May our minds begin to dig deeper into the wonders of all that you are and have done for us in Christ. Lord, help us not to pursue other things in this world and other um, areas of interest in this world and omit the wonders of why you've given such an amazing gift. It's that we might know you and continue to know you more deeply and to enjoy you and to delight in you and to be satisfied in you and you alone. So, Lord, would you work in our hearts, I pray. May this Advent season be a time in which our greatest enjoyment is the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.